0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Veg Grower Podcast. My name is Richard and I am on a mission to grow my fruit, vegetables and herbs in my allotment and my garden. Now we're starting off this week, as you can probably tell by the quail sound in the background, I'm in my garden. The first thing I want to say though is what is going on with the weather. We have had really nice hot sunny days followed by really wet and windy days this week. It really is so changeable and very much unlike the summer weather that we had last year. That being said, when you think of the Mediterranean and the weather going on down there, we probably are quite lucky on the other hand. Like I said, I don't know what's going on with the weather. It's just really annoying and... I I know some people don't believe in climate change, but climate change is clearly happening and it is something that we have to think about with our gardens moving on in the future. I don't know what to do at the moment, but it's something we do have to think about. Now this week I have continued to remove the caterpillars from my Brussels sprout plants that I spoke of last week and we are luckily getting on top of the the caterpillars. Luckily they're not too damaged we are going to start harvesting our Brussels sprouts soon because I think they are really ready. But I actually had a communication from somebody who recommended uses a product made by a company called Grazers and it's G3. Now my understanding of this is it uses calcium and it's a spray. You spray onto your plants and it deters any of the pests. I was given a bottle of a G2 which is a slug and snail version which... I've not really had any need to use, so I don't know how well it works. I don't get many problems with slugs and snails here. But from the person who told me about it, he says it works really really well so this might be something we have to think about in the future when we carry on with our brassicas but overall we're on top of the caterpillars the chickens have been loving the caterpillars the same with the courgettes we've been picking off the powdery mildew leaves and they do seem to be recovering quite nicely to the point that we're harvesting so many courgettes That we don't know really what to do with those. The other morning I picked a courgette. My wife looked out the window and just shook her head in disbelief. So, you know, it goes to show courgettes are pretty prolific at producing. Now something else that's been producing quite well is our pickling cucumbers. This is a variety called Fenlo Pickling and the other morning, I came out and I picked five of these pickling cucumbers. They are really tasty, they're not huge, but they are good size. But that morning, what I decided to do, the five that I picked, I sliced those up in the morning i pop them into a bowl with some salt in order to draw out all the water i left that all day with the salt drawing out all the water from the cucumbers while i went to work and when i came home from work that night i drained off all the liquid i washed the cucumbers and then i popped them into jars with some pickling vinegar and there we go we have got pickled cucumbers or otherwise known as gherkins so pretty good with that and they'll take a couple weeks before they really ferment but I couldn't help but try one over the weekend now these aren't going to be the only jars that we're going to be pickling of these cucumbers we're going to have a lot more in the future these these venlo pickling I'm really liking the plant they're almost like a fan trained plants in that they have several stems that produce these beautiful flowers and cucumbers so very very happy with those very tasty and great for pickling we're also getting the normal cucumbers as well which are going down a treat but again a bit of a challenge to know what to do with that On top of that, we have also been pickling some of our beetroot that we've been harvesting. This year, I've actually done quite well with beetroot. We've had a few beetroots that we have eaten lovely, but there are some that just needed harvesting, so I pickled those at the same time. And while I was picking the beetroot, I've also had to thin out some more of my carrots. These are in the veggie pod. Now, when we thin out carrots, we're basically just removing a few carrots to give the remaining carrots more room to grow. And I am finding that the more we remove, the carrots grow bigger and bigger as they get more and more space. But the ones that we remove are still edible as well. They may maybe a bit small, but I think they're quite nice and many people do like small carrots. Now other things I've noticed this week, our grapevines are producing some lovely grapes. They're not ripe just yet, but they are there. They're going to have give us some plenty of grapes so really really happy with that and our fig tree out the front has also produced some lovely looking figs again they're not quite ready just yet but I'm very very happy with what I'm seeing. Now one of the other things that I have been doing this week is emptying some of my compost bins and spreading the compost which is a task that we need to do quite a bit of But producing enough of this compost is always a challenge. And that is sometimes where a wormery is a good thing to help us out along the way. And that's what we're going to be talking about in just a moment. But first, let's find out what's been going on in the Supporters Club this week. This week in the Supporters Club, we have been sowing a mustard. And this is a red variety of mustard, which is great for those peppery leaves. But added to that we can also use it as a microgreen just grow it in a very young state on the kitchen windowsill so we can use it right throughout the winter as well and alternatively we can even use these plants to go to seed so that we can harvest the seeds and turn them into mustard powder plenty of uses from this one plant now the supporters club is a club that i run in order to keep this veg grow podcast moving forward I charge £5 a month and for that you get extra behind the scenes podcasts as well as a collection of seeds sent to your door each and every month. And these seeds can be sown that very month so they're not hanging around for ages and you can get straight on with it. To find out more details head to the uk, and please do consider becoming a member if you don't want to become a member but still want to support this podcast don't forget you can leave us a review on your podcast provider that really does go a long way to helping more people find the podcast and grow our audience right now this week it's all about our wormery so let's go find out more about that Now, eight years ago, I moved into this house and one of the first things I did was buy a wormery. Literally, the day I moved in, I had a wormery arrive from Amazon. And for me, this was a really important feature that I wanted to have in this garden. Now, I've never looked back on getting a wormery. It's been a fantastic feature to use in our garden garden it produces compost from our kitchen waste and it reduces the amount of kitchen waste that goes to landfill we really do throw very little out so for me this was a no-brainer added to that as I said we get this beautiful compost just full of nutrients and going to feed our soil feed our plants and we get a liquid feed out of it as well In light of this, and a few people have also been asking about wormeries, I thought it's going to be a chance to have another chat about our wormeries. Now, I've actually got two wormeries in my gun. We've got the typical style the worm tower, which is a selection of stacked trays that you fill up with your kitchen waste, and you add worms, and they produce the compost. And then the other type is my sub Now, the sub-pod is my preferred one, if I'm honest with you. It's a subterranean, i.e. it's buried in the ground, composting system. It's made of plastic, and... You, the top of it basically makes a seat which is what I like about it because it is quite discreet and it serves as two purposes. But you lift the lid and underneath there you get two sections in which you can fill with kitchen waste. Now one side I've been filling with our standard kitchen waste this year and the second side I've been actually trying out bokashi composting after a conversation I had last year. You can also make your own from an old bin. Just get that plastic dustbin put a tap on the bottom and add some sort of grid in the bottom as well above the tap so it separates the layers out and then just start filling it up with kitchen waste as easy as that the reason you want the tap is just so you can drain off liquid but if you're not fussed about keeping liquid then perhaps just a few holes in the bottom just to allow the liquid to drain out will work just as well now what I did when we got our wormery bins and this is always recommended is that I washed them completely with rain water basically to make them a little bit dirtier. The reason being is that worms are known to escape if the, the bin itself is a bit too clean. So we want to make it a little bit dirty. This is particularly with the worm tower because we're going to be putting worms into that. The sub pod it wasn't so difficult because worms just come along from the ground naturally. But the worm tower as I said we have to add Worms to it, and because it's above ground, it's not really in contact with the soil. All the more important that we try and wash it out with a good lot of rainwater. But once I did that, I then set up the worm tower following the instructions, and then I put cardboard in the very bottom with a load of kitchen waste and the bran that came with it. And then I added in the worms. Now, the bran acts as like a starter food and gets the worms fed for the time being. Now the worms will multiply at quite a rate. So don't worry too much if you lose a few worms, but they will multiply. But worms work by, they grind up all the waste that you've added to it. And by grinding it up, they release all the liquid, they release, they turn it into compost basically. And this is a very, very natural thing that they will do in the ground. Now these worms aren't your normal earth worms. They are known as brandling worms. And they're different colour, they are found naturally in the ground but they are a different colour. Often if you lift up a piece of newspaper that's wet and been on the ground or a piece of cardboard you often find them under there. So you don't have to buy them in. Mine did actually come with the worms when I brought them. Fishing shops are also a good place to buy the worms because they're often used as fishing bait. Now the sub-pod, once it's set up, it's basically you just fill it up with your kitchen compost. and worms come along, they do the work. Uh, you may have to aerate it every now and then just to mix the materials around. It comes with a corkscrew for that. And then once the compost is ready, you empty it and then you carry on using it. It really is a very, very easy thing to use. The worm tower, however, now it's still very, very easy, but basically you get... I got four different containers, all of which stack on top of each other. So when the first one's filled, I then moved on to the second, the third and the fourth and so on until they were all full. Now what I find is when the fourth one's full, the bottom one, number one, it is ready to turn out that compost. So I just simply swap around, empty the compost into the beds and put the th- first one back on top and start filling it again the worms will make their way up in search of the food and the only other thing that i do try and do is to drain off the liquid now i try and drain off the liquid about once a week the liquid as i said is a very good liquid to feed for your plants so it's got a lot of uses but by draining it off it stops all the compost and the worms drowning in the compost turning into a bit of a anaerobic mess just a few seconds doesn't take long very very easy the sub pod my one doesn't have any way to drain off liquid so the liquid just fence off into the ground anyway I believe there are ways you can add a tap to it now but overall not something that I worry about now it really is as easy as that just kitchen waste is all I use so this could be vegetable peelings it could be leftover sweet corn cobs anything like that. I tend to only use vegetable water. I'd throw in some cardboard and some paper and scrunched up newspaper as well. I believe you can add bones from meat products but I personally don't use that same as dairy. My fear is that we're going to attract rats and what with the chickens and the quail it's not something that I really want to do. But I know people do do it it's not for me and this is another reason I only use kitchen waste in my worm towers and the sub pod is because the rats cannot get into them that easy it's a good way I feel of keeping the vermin away but still composting some people and I don't need to do this do take their worm bin into the shed over the winter just to keep the worms a little bit warmer obviously during the winter when it gets colder worms do slow down again this isn't something that I've had to do Other people may wrap a rent load of fleece around or hessian sack around their worm bin as well. Again, something else I've not had to do. And in the compost that is produced, you just use that in the same way. It's just the same as anything else, except it can be quite crumbly. If you've chopped up your kitchen waste beforehand it's going to be very very crumbly it is recommended that you chop up the kitchen waste I personally again don't do that I just throw it in there eggshells and all and then we'll just worry about it when it comes up but the material that comes out is such good stuff I actually mix it in to compost that I've already got out of my compost bins the the bigger material and I spread that over my beds and that is as good as it gets but we could also use it as a mulch in some of our pots as well again because it is so full of nutrients it will do a lot of good so very very easy thing to set up highly recommend that you do go and do it especially if you are short on space so there we go go give it a try let us know how you get on now talking of kitchen let's find out what scott's got for us this week
1: hi it's scott here with this week's recipe and this week we have slow cooked runner beans with preserved lemons, tomato and chilli and I'm sure this time of year we are all dealing with gluts of runner beans and this is a great recipe to use them up because the runner bean is the star in this dish This dish somehow manages to be warm, comforting and light all at the same time It's great eating as a main course with couscous or rice with an optional sprinkling of feta or I think it's even better made ahead of time and eaten at room temperature the next day so it's great for picnics, pot lunches and it also freezes well too. So, to the ingredients and method. Ingredients. 500 grams of runner beans stringy bits removed. I do this with a peeler then chop into two inch pieces. 7 medium tomatoes peeled and roughly chopped. You want about 500 to 600 grams 250 grams of diced onions, one medium heat chili, finely diced, one tablespoon of tomato paste, 450 milliliters of vegetable stock, one preserved lemon. scrape out the inner, you just want to use the peel. two teaspoons of cumin seeds, two teaspoons of coriander seeds, a quarter teaspoon of ground nutmeg, two and a half teaspoons of paprika and one sprig of fresh coriander, chopped. Method: In a saucepan with a little olive oil, start by browning the onions on a medium heat. Once the onions are lightly browned, add all the spices, chilli, preserved lemon and tomato paste and cook out for one minute. Now add the chopped tomatoes, vegetable stock and runner beans and cover with a lid and cook on a medium heat for 15 minutes. Now remove the lid and cook for a further 20-30 to minutes until the sauce has reduced and thickened. Finish with the chopped coriander, salt and pepper and that's this week's recipe. I hope it gives you a tasty solution to all those runner beans.
0: Well that's another absolutely delicious recipe from Scott there. I've got to say a lot of good feedback about Scott's recipes at the moment so thank you so much once again for Scott and I hope you enjoy these recipes as well. Let us know how you're getting on with those. Now I'm down on the allotment at the moment. I'm actually inside Grandad's greenhouse because it's a little bit windy and a little bit wet outside so just came in here for a bit of a shelter but something we've been doing this week down on the allotment is spreading more compost. Carrying on with the conversation we were having earlier. Now I'm spreading more compost at this time of year because I need to uh, free up some space in some compost bins. And I had two bins that were basically, the compost was ready but I have nowhere else to start potting any of our materials that we are removing. So dug out all the compost from these beds and I've put them into one of my beds that still has a cabbage growing in it. This bed is going to be used for garlic in September, growing garlic in in September. So I just added the compost for the time being stacked up in the corner and once this cabbage comes out we will then rake it all over the place to spread it out nice and thickly and then it is ready for garlic to be sown. As September is a few weeks away I might have to put something in here something quick for the time being just so that this bed isn't being wasted. Maybe lettuce maybe radish not sure yet something quick is what is needed. Now the two empty bins they will soon be full with more of the materials that we are adding to this compost heap. For me, something that I am aiming to do, and I've said this in the past, but it's an ongoing aim, is that I am trying to produce enough compost in my allotment and in my garden that I don't have to buy any compost in. Compost, for me, is probably one of the biggest expenses that we have, and I feel if we can produce enough of it, we don't have to spend all that money on compost. That's the aim, and whether it will happen or not is another thing, so keep listening to future updates to find out how we get on. Something else I've been doing this week is I have been mulching around our trees and our squash bed with some wood chips. Now, we have a Facebook group for our allotment site, and it's quite handy because we get to see a few of the things that are going on. But somebody was asking about the wood chip that seems to be delivered to our allotment site. And I always thought this was organised by our allotment committee and you have to effectively pay to use it. And I hadn't paid to use it. Well, it turns out the allotment committee don't know where it's coming from. They've not paid for it. So I read that as being a free-for-all so we can go and help ourselves to as much of it as we want and put it to use. So I've mulched all around my pear trees, my apple trees and the bed that is holding into my squash. It's just going to be a way of holding in that moisture in the ground, suppressing wigs and just making the place look a little bit tidier. Basically making my life a little bit easier along the way and reducing the amount of work I have to do. This wood chip will eventually rot down into the ground, but hopefully if it keeps being delivered, we can keep topping it up and keep it looking fresh. Added to that, we've also been harvesting our beans, our French beans and our runner beans, as well as tomatoes and a good range of crops, including our first early potatoes. Now, I've actually finished harvesting all of our first early potatoes this week. I just dug up the entire bed ...and got rid of any potatoes that were still in there. Mostly our Morris barred potatoes, which are a delicious potato, it's going to be said... ...although they have suffered from quite a bit of scab this year. But the reason I wanted to get all these potatoes harvested... ...one, we can take them home and we can eat them before we start eating the secondary potatoes... ...but two, it meant I can plant out the rest of my leeks into this bed, which is what I've done. Now bed is now completely full of leeks which a little bit late but if they are going to get established they're going to grow and they're going to hopefully produce some good winter vegetables that'll keep us going throughout that winter season as well. Leeks are great in my opinion but we do I find eat a lot of them so I'm growing quite a few of them this year in these beds and definitely something that is going to help over the winter months. Leeks, as long as they're kept well watered, given a bit of a chicken manure pellet feed every now and then, they should do pretty well. Keep them weed free as well. And they should do really, really well. Fairly easy to look after leeks. biggest problem, of course, is leek rust, which is like our garlic rust that we suffer with. Of course, being from the same family, it's not a surprise. Well, that brings us to the end of the allotment update and the end of this week's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, then please do leave us a review on your podcast provider. Your reviews really do help us get noticed and gain a higher audience. If you have enjoyed this podcast and want to become a supporting member, head to the VegGrowPodcast.co.uk As I mentioned earlier, don't forget, you can email me if you want to get in touch. Richard at ventagrowerpodcast.co.uk is my email address. Or you can head to the and leave us a voicemail. And don't forget, you can find us on social media. Right, we will be back again next time. So until then, please take care.